see you, church. I am, the last time I was up here doing this, uh, it was just me and maybe four other people. So this is much, much better, and uh, so great to see each one of you. We're excited to be here, thankful to be here. Golden Bell, uh, uh, good to have you guys here as well with us. So I see some faces, familiar faces um, as well as we have uh, started today. Well, I want to let you know, uh, as we start this new chapter with you, uh, we are here uh, knowing un we are under the direction of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're thankful for that. And, uh, and I'm thankful for all that you did to make us feel welcome. It, we had a full pantry, um, all the goodies that we like. Every time I walk by the pantry, I have to say, uh, you know, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the Keebler Helve double stuff, wonderful cookies. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been great and uh, good thing, all the paint that you did and all of the appliances and it just looks great. And we have more to come. We have carpet coming in. We're looking forward to that. So very thankful and uh, thankful for each one of you. So as we begin today, I want to start with a word of prayer. And, uh, and then we'll just open uh, God's word and uh, allow the Lord and his spirit to speak to us. Dear God, today we thank you for this time. We thank you for a new chapter. We thank you for a new start. As has already been said, Lord, this was no surprise to you, even though it may be a surprise, have been a surprise to some of us. God, we are thankful that you are already ahead. You already know exactly the directions that we are going. So we placed our trust into you today. We ask, Lord, that as we open your word, that you will just speak to us through your scripture. I pray, God, that your spirit will just, as it's already been said, will not allow us to leave here without being changed, being renewed, being brought closer to you, being challenged, convicted, whatever it takes, Lord. We ask, God, that you would just speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. And together we say, amen, amen. That sounds good. Well, well I want to start in Ephesians chapter 3. And the, the title today is Trusting in the God of the Impossible. Trusting in the God of the Impossible. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 14. But uh, as, uh, as we start there, I want you to know that as, as I was praying about, okay, what, what is it that the Lord would have me to share with you this first Sunday? Uh, set the trajectory, set the tone of the direction that we're going to be moving in. Uh, and I was like, Lord, just give me something, a word uh, from you for this church that you are called me to lead. And this portion of scripture came to me, and I, I am, just want to, uh, I just want to ask you, just allow it to sink deep into your soul as we read it together. It says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven in earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what the width, the length, the depth, the height, 
to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I want to tell you right now, this is a prayer that Paul had for this church in that day, but this is my prayer for you as a church as well. I want you to be filled with the Spirit of God. I, there's nothing, I'm telling you, if you would ask me three months ago, if I would told me I would be in Woodland Park preaching to you here today, I would have just laughed. It's the craziest idea. I had different plans. I, I had no resumes out. I wasn't planning on doing anything like that. But here we are, and together, amazing things can happen, but only if we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit together. Amen? So today I, I come to you and I just wanted you to know that I want us to understand that we serve a God that can do the impossible. Way beyond what we ever thought we could ever do, uh, anything that we, beyond, that we could do on our own, God can do it. And we are thankful for that, that we serve a God that can do it all. As I came here and I, as I shared with you, I, I, this, was, this was not in, in the cards, uh, this wasn't a part of my personal plan. Uh, but man, I, I knew Pastor Brian. I didn't know Pastor Brian real well, but I knew what a great job he's done up here. Of course, heard good things on the district. I pastored in uh, Castle Rock for all, over nine years there, and so I was, uh, we, we had crossed paths, but I heard great things about the church. And when the district superintendent uh, asked me about Woodland Park, we were like, oh man, we, that just wasn't in the plan. Well, he said, please just pray about it for a couple of days. Give it a couple of days of prayer. And so we did. We prayed, and I was sensing God moving. And so I thought, okay, well, let's just, let's just come on out. And, of course, it's in the middle of, you know, this, the virus. Everything shut down. I'm like, what, how in the world is this going to work? And, and Pastor Dave Ralph, he's like, oh, don't worry about it. We're going to take care of everything. And, of course, your staff and your board did a great job. But I came here, and... And uh, we were in the midst of this, this time of an interview. And during that time, I just had, my, my just stomach was just in knots. And, and as I shared, you know, I was preaching here, uh, for, for, for this exact place. Nobody, the lights are low like this. I could barely see Tim, and I think uh, Lori was back there. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, oh, man, this just seems so odd and awkward, didn't it? You know, it's, it's an odd way of doing this. Uh, but, but we do what we have to do, and even in, uh, in times that where uh, just it demands that. I got to meet you guys as you do, did the uh, meet and greet. That was my favorite part. Just loved that when you guys came through and I was able to see you face to face. But in the midst of all of it, I just was, again, just feeling just, oh, just these knots in my stomach. We headed back that day on Saturday, heading to, across eastern Colorado, back into Kansas. And somewhere in the midst of western Kansas, I said to Jackie, I said, ah, you just need to pray for me. I'm just struggling. And she said, well, what's going on? And, and, and I, I believe God had already confirmed it in her heart. She was just at peace about everything. I was just struggling. And I told her, I said, I need, I need peace from the Lord. And we prayed and I prayed as she fell asleep, and, and somewhere between Goodland and Oakley or Hayes or somewhere out there, I had prayed for about an hour. I was like, Lord, I, this wasn't a part of the plan. And uh, 
the place where we had been. I loved the church where we were at and there in Kansas. I loved the people, loved what God was doing. We were on a growing trend, just saw 50 people come to know the Lord the year before. I'm thinking, what, we had a five-year plan in this. What, 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 what are you up to, Lord, here? What, what are you doing in the midst of this? And I was like, God, if this is of you, I need to have peace about this, and I need to have peace about it now. And so I'm praying, Jackie's sleeping, you know, and, and I'm praying and praying and praying, and nothing. If you've ever been there, when you're just praying to the Lord, and you're just like, man, I don't, I'm not hearing anything here. And that's not always the way it is. Thankfully, I'm usually just living at peace. I love, you know, being in conversation with my Lord. But this day, I was just anxious, just and finally, I was like, fine, that's the way it is. Uh, I'm not going to hear from you, Lord. I, if I don't have any peace, then I'm just going to say, no, it's not going to happen. And that'll be okay. And I'm telling you, it's about the time that I said that. I just sensed this, uh, sp- the Spirit of God speaking to me very, very, very clearly. And just said to my heart, said, Matt, you're grieving over the church, and I'm asking you to leave. And... And that was hard, it, and, but it was true. And, and I know it sounds odd, but in the midst of that, I felt like a little bit of peace in the midst of that. He, thank you, God. I mean, as if we should be surprised that God's right. <laughs> but, but thank you, God, you're right. That is what I'm going through. I, I am grieving over, over that. And in the midst of that silence, I heard the Lord saying to my heart, and it's okay, I'll be with you. In this move too. I got home and shared that with Jackie. Shared I got home and I looked in scripture and I'm going through my devotions and, and I looked in first excuse me, second Corinthians chapter one, and as God is just speaking to my heart and I'm praying about this possible move. And what do I see? Oh, there's a, in chapter one, it's right above verse twelve in my in my Bible, and it says, Paul's change of plans. <laughs> Doesn't God have just an interesting sense of you? Paul's change of plans. And I began to read about Paul's change of plans there. He had a, 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 something going on in, in certain directions in his life, and yet God said, you know what, that was great. I'm going to pass that off to someone else, and you're going to be going on to this direction. And then I looked at Acts chapter 16, and I saw how God was moving Paul in, in all types of different directions. And in the midst of it, I began to see this theme. And the theme was this was that when God was moving Paul, it was for God's glory, not for anyone else's. And so, and, and, and when I just settled with the Lord, you know what, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, come here to Woodland Park, Colorado, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. And guess what? I was at peace and everything was fine. You know, I think we're supposed to have like 66% of a vote for me to, or your next pastor to come in. If it would have been 66.5%, I would have been, I wouldn't have cared. Because you know what? What I needed to know, and don't hear what I'm not saying, by the way, <laughs> but what I needed to know was that my father wanted me here. That's what I, even if, it, even if all of you said, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. If I hear it from the Lord, I'm going to move on it with the Lord. And so all the things, and, and, and you know, we had, back where we, were, we came from, Oh, God, as I shared, we've done some amazing things, and we'd seen him do the impossible there in this church. We started at a church there, it was running about 180 or so, and oh, there were some significant troubles and struggles. 
And in that first year, we just didn't know if we were going to make it. As a matter of fact, we sold our, we bought a home and we sold it within a year, <laughs> moved into a fifth wheel camper. And uh, because uh, we knew that God was saying, you need to see this chapter through with this group here. And, and when we did that, we sold everything that we, basically everything we owned except for what our kids said they wanted. It felt like we were dying um, in the midst. No, we want this and we want that. And, and, uh, <laughs> but uh, we kept a few things. And the kayaks and my bikes, that was the important stuff. And so, yes, there we go. And so we had to keep, you know, keep my priorities straight. Um, so the fifth wheel, the kayaks and the mountain bikes were, were good to go. But we, uh, we had a, a plan. And God said, no, we're going to change this plan. And here's the great thing. The church there, by the way, you could call them there, Living Faith Church from the Nazarene, Gerard, Kansas. And uh, they are convinced, and I know this is going to sound bad, but they are as convinced of this move as I am. And this doesn't mean that they were wanting to get rid of me. I'm telling you what, it was hard. It was probably just as hard as it was for you to see Pastor Brian go. You honored him because he did such an amazing job, and it was a good thing. And, and it was the same way for me as I went from there to, to here. They, they just lavished us with love, but they knew, and they were rejoicing. And to, this morning, I, there's a prayer team there in Kansas who's praying over us today. And I want to ask you, would you pray over them? Because they're going through right now what you started going through <laughs> six months or so ago. The first point, you're thinking, you're just getting now to the first point. Sorry, I know it's an omen. Um, <laughs> the first point of the sermon today is simply this. If we are to believe in the God of the impossible then we need to understand that we have to change what we believe is possible in God. I want to tell you, it, it's easy for us to say, you know, with, with all of our might, with God, all things are possible. We've all said that, right? Some, I'm sure you've said that here today. With God, all things. In fact, let's say it together. With God, all things are possible. And, and, but we have to sometimes change our thinking. Because sometimes in our mindset, we say that and it sounds so good, but in the midst of it all, you're still thinking, but I have this plan, right? And then there's, you think, you're reminded of that verse in Proverbs where it says, you know, uh, it, it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path, right? And, and now that sounds easy. It's easy. It just slips off the tongue, doesn't it? But putting that into practice, at least for me, not so easy. <laughs> I'm the one that's just kind of like, I take time, I'm cautious about you know, the next step. And, and, but I, I'm finding myself, and maybe you will find yourself realizing we have to change what we believe is possible in our Lord. Anything is possible. He can even take some crazy guy like me and pluck me out of southwest Kansas and put me over here in Colorado. If he wants to do it, he can do it. And if he wants to see this church expand and grow and make major impact within Teller County, he can do it. Amen? I believe all things are possible. Now, sometimes it's not as easy when we have to put it into practice. 
I heard this story, a true story. I was at a pastor's conference, and this guy was sharing this, and I thought, I never forgot it. I thought, what, what a great illustration. But he said that he had gone to a family camp, and uh, he was there with his family, and there was other families there. They were all in the pool. This is obviously pre-COVID. And uh, they were in the pool together playing, having fun. And he said, and he got to know this guy as their families were playing uh, you know, ball in the, in the pool together. And he said, the guy was just like all of a sudden, just out of the blue, said to him, um, hey, I bet you you can't hold your breath under the water for 60 seconds. And he said, you know, deep down inside, we're all just, you know, as men, we're all just really boys. And so he's like, you want to make a bet? You get your watch out. Let's do it right now. And so he said, sure, sure enough, he said, here I go. And I put my head on. I said, I'm going to hold my breath for 60 seconds. He said, okay, I'm going to just call it out as you're under the water. And he said, all right. So he calls it out. And he, he said he gets to about 30 seconds. And he said, man, he said, I thought at 30 seconds I was going to die. And then he said, I get to about 45 seconds. He said, and at 45 seconds, I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ. He said, at 55 seconds, things started to go dark. He said, at 60 seconds, though, I exploded out of the water, and I said, victory. And I thought, what a great story. He said, I felt so good. He said, I showed that guy. And he said, then he said, in the midst of the talking, by the way, he found out that this guy was the inventor of something called the Vortex football and it looks like a football with a like a rocket on the end of it and he said I begin to realize this guy is quite an amazing inventor an amazing individual and he said so this vortex football inventor said to him not bad for your first time uh, but he says I bet you can do more than double that amount of time underwater now, the speaker, the pastor there, he said, this guy obviously didn't realize that I'd already almost met Jesus face to face. <laughs> he said, the first time he told me, I couldn't do it in a minute, but now he's telling me, I bet you can do it in two minutes. He said, what is, what is up? And he said, well, what I found out later he, he was sharing was that this guy was an executive coach to CEOs, and this was one of the exercises he would often use with them. This time, he said, before he held his breath and tried to show him he could do this. He said, the coach uh, said to him, well, I want you to take a really deep breath in four times, huge breath, and expand your lungs before you go under the water. And this time when you go under the water, I want you to say uh, to yourself, I'm just going to relax. I'm going to relax and listen to every word uh, that this individual says. So he did. He said, I just relaxed. I began to you know, just come to terms. I'm going to listen to everything he says as I'm under the water. And he says, and every time you want to come up from the water, he says, I don't want you to do it because there's more in you than you realize. Don't come up, he said, because there's more in you. And at some point, he says, your lungs are going to scream out, and they're going to just say, you're going to die, and it's telling your brain you're starving for oxygen. He says, but your brain doesn't know what your body is capable of. So instead of coming up, I want you to blow a little bit of oxygen out underwater. And that's going to trick your brain into thinking, into thinking that it's about to get some oxygen back in. And then he says, I want you to relax for just a little bit longer. And when you think like you can't do it anymore, I want you to focus on, open your eyes and focus on something underwater. You'll get about another 10 seconds out from that. So he says, here I went. And he goes under the water, and he says, about after 30 seconds, he said, I can hear him up there saying, you're at 30 seconds, there's more in you, there's more in you. And he said, don't come up, and at 60 seconds, he said, I felt like my lungs were just surging for air, and he said, so I started to let out a little bit of oxygen, and I 
relax. He said, and after that, he said, I I opened my eyes. I found something to focus on. And he said, but what I didn't know is while I'm underneath and the guy is telling me how long I've been under there, that he was actually lying to him, he said. He said, when it was 30 seconds, it was actually at 45 seconds. And when he said that you were, he was at one minute 30 seconds, he was actually at one minute 50 seconds. And when he said, you're at two minutes and 15 seconds, he said, I was actually at two minutes 45 seconds. He said, I held my breath underwater for two minutes and 45 seconds. He said, my brain couldn't comprehend what my body could endure. I want to take that to a spiritual level this morning. Your brain, my brain, cannot comprehend what our God can do. Amen? Let me back that up with a little scripture for you in case you just think I'm just going off the rails. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, The one who is in you is greater. Greater than the one who is in the world. We need to know in our hearts and in our minds, as it says in Ephesians chapter 3, that our God can do exceedingly, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And here's what that takes us back to in, in Ephesians chapter 3, is that we need that power within us. I need it every hour. Sometimes I need it every minute. We need to change what we think is possible. If you think, you know what, my spouse is never going to change, and I don't know what his problem is. I don't know what her problem is. They're never going to change. Guess what? You're going to prove it to be true. If you're a church leader and you think, our church will never be great, and that's all you ever talk about and say, you're right, you're going to prove it to be true. If you're a business owner and you think our business was never going to grow any larger, you're going to prove it to be true. If you think our family will never do devotions, we're never going to pray together, you're going to prove that to be true if that's your line of thinking all the time. If you think, you know what, this pastor is never going to get any better, he's never going to be any good, well, you're going to prove it to be true. (laughs) Proverbs 23, 7, As a man thinketh in his heart so is he. And in the midst of it all, I want you to know that it's our responsibility. If we want to see our church grow and expand and see great things happen, we better begin to change our mindset and believe that we have a God that can do it. A God that is greater, a God that is stronger, a God that can take care of everything that we cannot even comprehend right now. When Kennedy was uh, helping us load the truck, and thank the Lord, we, didn't, we only had this one small little truck with, full of stuff with, you know, my kayaks and bikes, and, and, and so we just had that, and she's loading it, we fill this thing up, and she's tired, and she's getting to a point where she's like, I just can't do this anymore, she's laying down on the ground, and I was just like, Kennedy, come on, you've got to change your mind, we can do this, we can get through this together, come on, it's, keep slinging the boxes, keep moving this stuff through, and I said, we're Americans, not Americans. In America, anything's possible, right? We can do this. And so we, well, it, she didn't clap for me. Like you, I think she just kind of still laid there. Um, maybe a little surge of energy. Well, 
here's the deal. The battle of our mind, church, is real. Satan loves to work on that. And if he convinces you that your God is small enough to fit in your box, then he's got you. But I'm going to tell you that our God does not fit in any box. He's bigger than anything we can imagine. I agree with Paul 100%. I want to just capture a glimpse of how great, how high, how wide, how long, how deep this is, this love of God is. And this plan that he has for each one of us. The second thing I want to ask of you today as we're beginning together is to change, maybe think about changing how you think about the people around you. I'm at a restaurant not long ago, and, and uh, I would like to just say that I just was overhearing, but maybe I was eavesdropping a little bit as well, but uh, they just opened the dining areas there in Kansas, and everything was six feet apart, and, and this, these folks had come in from uh, their work, and it was obvious that they were there for lunch, and, and, uh, and the whole time that I'm sitting there, you couldn't help but hear because it was kind of an open, empty kind of area. This whole time, this individual was going on and on about every person that they worked with. And I mean, do you know what he did? He's stealing money from the drawer, I'm telling you, he's doing it. And then he went on, and did you know that those two are seeing each other on the side? I can't wait until, I would just love to tell his wife what he's doing. And then went on and on. That, and you know, that woman there, she's a snitch. She, she deserves what's coming to her. And, and she's always in my business. How, how healthy of a place would this be for us to work? I mean, wouldn't you just love to work in that business? <laughs> I just, I thought, oh, the Lord, said a prayer for them. Uh, but I want to tell you that when, when people begin to move in those type of ways, it shows an arrogance within us. And, and I think, man, I, I want you to know that God can change arrogance. I mean, arrogance is nothing new. It started in the Garden of Eden. There was somebody who was arrogant enough to think, you know what, I think I know a little bit better than God about this. Have you been there? <laughs> I know I have. And so I, I think yeah, when it comes to that type of thing, you know, we need to know that even when we think that we have it all planned out, when we all, we know everything that's going to happen, how this is going to work, when we got God figured out, that actually that that is kind of an arrogance sometimes on our parts. I, I know that that might be tough to hear, but I want to tell you, God is in the business of bringing the arrogance down so that he can lift them up into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I was once arrogant. Uh, where I pastored before, I, we had a large group there who uh, struggled with addiction. I, one individual... His name was Chris, but he named, changed his name to Christopher. He said he just wanted completely to change from the way that he was before. Uh, he was strung out on meth, on all, any, whatever you can imagine. I mean, he was struggling with it. You walk up to him, and even today, and you would think, oh boy, I'm going to take a step back. He was a huge, big guy, and he has a, tattoos all over him, and a tattoo on his neck that has the middle finger sticking out at you. <laughs> I was like, oh boy. <laughs> He gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, what an amazing testimony. 
What an amazing testimony. And, but here's the thing, is he would tell you, I was very arrogant. I thought I had it all figured out. I thought that I was, you know, I can handle myself. I can handle these addictions, which you wouldn't be, he wouldn't have thought were addictions. I can handle all of these things. I can do this on my own. Have you been there? Here's the thing. He had to get cut down to the bottom of the barrel. One of my favorite artists uh, is Johnny Cash. I like Johnny Cash, and he sings this song, and he, it's called God's Gonna Cut You Down. <laughs> and you might think, well, man, that's just an awful-sounding song. No, it's a song of grace, folks, because God cuts us down so that he can build us up. Amen? We build ourselves up on all that we think that we know, all the things that we think that are so great, all the things in our, all the, uh, the knowledge and all the abilities that we think that we have in, in, each, in, our, in ourselves. Even as pastors, we can do that. We can rely on our education. We can rely on our experience. We can lie, rely on maturity. But I'm telling you what, if I rely on anything except for God, I'm a mess. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, Here's good news in Matthew 19, 23. Jesus tells a parable, and it's about a rich person. And he says, you know what? It's almost impossible for them to get to heaven. Almost. And, and he gives this story about a camel trying to get through the eye of a needle. And I know all the different you know, type of you know, interpretations. Some say, well, it's not a literal eye of a needle. It's a gate where they you had to get on their knees. I don't care. I don't care what you, which you, you go with the gate or if you go with a little sewing needle. I go with the sewing needle because here's what that tells me. Is my God, if he wanted to string a, a, a camel through the eye of that needle, my God could do it. <laughs> But regardless, here's the thing, is when he gets to the end of this story, and you can just imagine, he's saying, you know, well, this guy, he's well-to-do, he has things going for him, and probably other people who are listening to Jesus are thinking, well, I'm pretty well-to-do, I have things going for me as well. And he says, and it's almost impossible for this person to enter the king of the heaven. But then he says this, he says, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And what I'm hearing is, you know what? Sometimes God's got to knock us down so that he can build us back up. Discipline is never easy in the moment, is it? But we all need it. Oh. Well, I want you to know that as you see each other in the church, in our community, around us, and if you're arrogant, you probably won't get this, but I want you to know, though, that every person Every person that you rub shoulders with is God's creation. Every person is God's creation. Every one of them. I, I don't care if they have a tattoo that's flipping you off every time you look at them. They're God's creation. Amen? And the wonderful thing about that cross is not how we beautify it and make it look cool and all that. The cross is simply this. It's simply telling me that God saw fit to die for everyone. Everyone. Every person out there can be saved by the power of the cross. Why, why would I see them differently? They're a treasure. Every person that we rub shoulders with is a treasure worth dying for. Why would I see them differently? But when I do, I have to say, man, man, 
take a step back from your arrogance because they need Jesus just like you did and just like you do. Amen? <laughs> well, let me tell you, uh, everywhere I've been, I, 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 it was, we were thinking about, you know, uh, you know, just how we love people and how we change about how we think about each other. Every place I've been, I've, I've heard people say, you know what, if we could just get a better, you know, employees, if we could just find great leaders, if we could just hire in more staff, if we could just, if we just had more of this and more of that, I, I, we would be a so much better church. But I want to tell you that I look around us and I just think that Jesus, as he, as he was here today, he would look around and he would already see all the resources that we need right here and now to take on this community for Jesus Christ. Now think about that with me for a moment. We, 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 we sometimes say, well, you've got to get this, we've got to get that. Here's the deal. In the church, we don't find great leaders. In the church, we build great leaders. I mean, that's what we, you know, when we see, when I look, I don't know what everybody does here yet, you know, so I'll just pick on, I'll pick on the sound guy back there. Nobody else does. But I did see a sign back there that says, please be kind to the sound guy. I mean, I'm sure that's for the other church that meets here, right? <laughs> but but if they, with, with, if I'm thankful for the sound guy. You know, as we're, we're thankful for what he does. And so I, I'm, I think to myself as we're, you know, as we're moving forward, you, know, you might think, well, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I would like to see some things happen here differently or differently. And, but it's easy to just start cutting down and criticizing, isn't it? You can turn on the news. Probably right now, there's some place where people are cutting things down, criticizing, slandering, throwing bricks, whatever else. It, it, it's, it's what the world does. And, and here in the church, it's not what we do. We don't tear down. We build up. Amen? Every resource we need is right here, right now. Amen? It's, God has... He, this is not a surprise to him. He's got this well in hand. So I think to myself, we, just as Jesus does, we're going to look at each other in a different way, and we're going to see each other's God-given potential. Sometimes, and there might be someone even in the midst that might be struggling, might be having a hard time right now. We don't even know what they're going through. And there's sometimes we can say a, a discouraging word, and we don't mean to say a discouraging word, but it can just push them even further down. I want to tell you, in God's economy, every person has a crown. I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a literal, you know, I don't know, you know but every person has a crown. And sometimes I, I feel like with our people and those who are trying to build up and with those who even don't even know Jesus Christ yet as their Lord and Savior, they, there's a crown that's kind of above their head. And sometimes we just need to take that crown and just hold it just a couple of inches above their head. You know what I mean? Because when you do that, what I have found, you know, if I just encourage them just a little bit. If you put it way up there, you're going to be like, no way. I can never fit into that crown. I can never do that. I'm never going to be good enough. But if you just put it a couple inches above their head, almost all the time, they'll just, <laughs> they'll just slip right into it. Could we encourage each other in such a way where we just kind of slip? Each, just hold the crown just a couple of inches above 
each person's head. I want to tell you, we are called as a church to help each other rise to our God-given potential. There's enough out there in our world that's going to make us feel like we're just nothing. We're no good. We'll never be good enough, right? But the church is not that place. We're from a different world. We're of a different kingdom. This is a different economy, and we're going to follow the way that Jesus called us to follow. And that is we're going to build each other up in the faith. Amen? Amen. Uh, well, I think of our country and beautiful uh, decorations. Good job with that. I think of our country and, uh, and I think, man, what a struggles we're going through right now. But I was reminded as I thought about that and how I loved how Martin Luther King took the crown that God had fashioned for America And he held it just a little higher, and he held it a couple inches above the nation's head with the words, I have a dream. You familiar? I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia that the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day that even the state in the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they are not judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Amen? I have a dream that one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I'm telling you what, that was a moment when the Reverend Martin Luther King just kind of held the crown a couple inches above the nation's head, right? And I'm telling you, as a church, it's time for us to rise up again and begin to take that crown that God has given us and hold it a couple inches above our nation's head and see how God will help us rise up with him. The church needs to rise again. Well, I know I'm taking too long. Will you be gracious with me just this once? I promise I've never preached long before. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to get cut down. You're right. Um, Finally, though, I just want you to know, I want you to create some godly systems in your life. If you, if you listen to people, uh, you're, you're, you're going to find that almost every one of us wants the same things. We would like to have, you know, to be happy. We'd like to make plenty of money. We would like to find someone special in our life. We want to be healthy. We want to be able to win. But people, they have the same goals. But guess what? Even though most people have the same goals, most people don't get the same results. And the reason why is because godly systems determine our success. There's a guy by the name of James Clear, and he says that you don't rise to the level of your goals, you fall to the level of your systems, because systems matter. And you may ask, well, what are systems, and why are you even talking about this? Well, it's because there are a set of procedures that determine how something is done. I just want to give you an example. For, for years and years, Jackie and I, uh, we, we've been married uh, for, oh my goodness, 26 years now, isn't it? Okay, I better get that right, so pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> so 26 years this August. And, uh, and so uh, for years, though, at the beginning, you know, we, we were okay financially, but, you know, we pay our bills. We make sure we pay our tithe. We make sure we pay, you know, what, what had to be paid. And then there's some money left over, and we would argue about what we wanted to do with that money. 
And, uh, and I won because I got the kayaks and the bikes. No, I'm just kidding. I don't always win. <laughs> and we, we, we would say, I would want this, or I wanted this different car, or I'd want this thing over here. Or, and, and we would just go back and forth and check. He's like, no, we can't do that. And I'm kind of the free spirit in some ways, naturally. Uh, th- that would be my born tendency. Um, and, and she was more, you know, just kind of the rigid and one keeping, you know, everything in order. And, man, we just went back and forth. And finally, we were introduced to this guy named Dave. Ramsey, and uh, you probably have heard of him, this financial peace kind of a guy, and, and he just rocked our world. We listened to it one time. I was like, oh, man, he's so good. He's right. And so we went once, and we went again, and I was like, we got to get our, our, our lives organized. And it wasn't easy, especially when we started going down to every dollar. Where does every dollar go? If you ever do this and you start on that process, Pray up before you decide about where every dollar goes. <laughs> um, you need it. And so anyway, uh, but the first step after we did that, had a real budget, was to get to $1,000. Emergency funds. And so we, and I mean at the time, we were young. It was the time we were just like, this is monumental. There's no way we're going to make 1000 But we made it. We got $1,000 in the bank, emergency fund. And wouldn't you know it, right after that happens, our car breaks down. And it wasn't just a small breakdown. It needed a whole new engine. This thing was a mess. It was, and it wasn't a great car to begin with, but my, man, I can't. And, but we had decided we are sticking to the system. This is, I had $1,000. I'm in Castle Rock, Colorado at the time. I put in Craigslist, Denver Craigslist, $1,000 my parameter for a car. There's not much out there that's running. But here's the deal. I did find a car in, in, in uh, Arvada, Colorado. Drove up there. It was an amazing vehicle. A 1980 Dodge Ram pickup. It had a racing stripe that went all the way across the top. It was patina rust. Uh, rust across the top. And then it had an aluminum cap on the back of the bed. And I mean, there wasn't one place you could touch on that truck that didn't have a dent. And I'm not exaggerating. I mean... It was awful looking, but it drove well. Had a great, you know, just, it, it was amazing. And so, uh, so I, here we go. We bought it for $1,000, and, and we're traveling back down to Castle Rock, Colorado. I'm on the Beltway, and it's hot summer day, no air conditioning, no nothing, and it had, you know, Kennedy was maybe, I don't know, what, three or four at the time, and she could never sat in the front seat of any vehicle before, but this only had one seat, and so she wanted to sit with Dad, and she gets in, we put her, buckle her down, she said, Dad, this truck is disgusting, and I said, I know, honey, and I was feeling awful, you know, but I mean, I want to stick to the plan, and I was feeling awful, but she said, I love it. <laughs> and, so, and so I think she just loved being able to see what was beyond the hood. Anyway, so we, we got in there. We're heading down the road. It's hot. We, we got those non-power windows going. You were reminded of what those were. And I'm still just burning up. And I remembered from when I, my, I was young, my dad had a truck like that. And down near the floorboards, there were these vents. And I said, Kennedy, can you hit that with your foot? And I'm, I got that with the other one. And she said, yeah. So she kicks hers open. She, I kick mine open. The, this truck had been under a tree for years. And all of a sudden, these little whirly bird, you know, leaves and everything. I was like in a snow globe of leaves blowing and dust and everything else. 60-something miles an hour going down the beltway, sweaty, and it's just hitting me in the face and sticking. And, and, and finally clear back all the stuff. It was just crazy it was the funniest part was i took that car and and we 
we would pick up the kids from school and my older girls, Hannah and Faith, you haven't met them yet, but they, uh, they were in uh, middle school at the time. They're like, Mom, please don't let him pick us up in that car. Please do not let him do that. And so here we are, and we're in the drive. You know, we have to get in the line. And I'm not kidding you when I say in front of me was a nice black Tesla. <laughs> and behind me, there was I don't, you know, a BMW. I mean, it was these nice cars. And here I am in this red beat-up truck with rust all the way up. Going, and we pull up. And I can see Hannah as I'm going around the circle to come pick, and she walks back to the door of the school like, oh my goodness, I can't believe Dad is doing this. And as I get close, the one thing that this truck had in it that was good was a stereo. Whoever had, probably a teenager had it, I guess. But it was, I mean, it had a great stereo, and I had a song. And I just, when I got close to up front there, this song began to play. And I put down the windows and I turned it up as loud as I could turn it. And, and they have no idea who Sanford and Son is, but we have, they just, here she took a whole different type of walk of shame all the way from the school to the truck and I'm just about dying laughing. I tell you all of this, you can turn it off now, <laughs> but I tell you all this to say, it wasn't easy, but we had a plan, we had a system. Actually, we're right now three to four years from being completely out of debt. We're thank God for that. But listen, strong systems make good people look great, but weak systems make great people look awful. This is scriptural. It says, suppose one of you in Luke 14 wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit and estimate the cost? See if you have enough money to complete it. Because if you don't and you get in the middle of it and you can't finish it, it says in verse 30, that people will begin to ridicule and laugh at you because they will be saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. In other words, the person's system of building is laughable. I want to tell you sometimes right now that maybe one of the most spiritual things that some of us could do right now here today is that we could become organized. Oh, he's already meddling. Oh. Here's why. Because God entrusts much. He entrusts much to those who manage a little well. Did you hear me? God entrusts much to those who manage a little well. God does the impossible through those who have managed a little well. That's, I'm telling you, you look at the history of this church. I've looked at your history. I've talked to people. I've it, This church is handled a little well. Amen? And God is doing good things but your best days are not behind you. The best days are ahead of us. Amen? So that's where we're going today. That's where we're moving. My prayer for you, I want to tell you, I'll wrap it up with this, these three points. Change what you believe is God is possible. Uh, it was poss uh, change what you believe is possible in God. Change how you believe that God can change the people around you and how you think about the people around you and create some godly systems in your life. These three things will help grow you and it's going to help position this church to be a game changer in the crazy messed up world we find ourselves in today. I share this again and I'll close with this because my prayer is this, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length 
and depth and height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Nothing better than be filled with God. Amen? Amen. Well, it has been, what a great first Sunday. I mean, what a good, good day. The band, you are blessed with a great band. You have good leadership. I tell you what, God is up to something. And, and I know, you know, you think, okay, well, you know, it's a new pastor and it's the honeymoon period and all. I don't care about any of that. What I care about is what God is up to. He's up to something good. Keep your eyes wide open. Let's close with the word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time today. We thank you, God, that your spirit has just entered in through the music. We thank you that it's entered in through the sermon, through your word. We thank you, God, that you are everything. And I thank you that I am nothing but Jesus. You are everything. And so, Lord, today we humbly bow before you and we ask, God, for you to continue to do the impossible. We want to see mountains moved. We want to see things happen that we never dreamed could ever happen. We pray these things in Jesus' name because we want to see you high and lifted up, Lord. And it's for your glory and not our own. Help us to love each other just like you love us. And help us to be quick to forgive. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed in the grace and love of our Lord Jesus today.